to the brightest audience in the country. I'm Fred Williams, host of Real Science Radio. And I'm Doug McBurney, host of the Weekly Worldview, an amateur biology student. Just a student and an amateur student. Okay. Yes. Well, this is time for part two of our interview with Dr. Thomas Seafried. Yes. We had a scheduling issue, so we had to do this part two a little later than we wanted to. But hey, it's great to have Dr. Seafried with us. He's got some real interesting stuff on connections between the Keto diet. Did I say that right, Doug? Yes. Keto diet and Keto? cancer. Yes. Thomas Seafried is a professor of biology at Boston College and has some insights that you'll find interesting and quite possibly life-saving. So uh, we're blessed to have Dr. Thomas Seafried on the air. Yep. So Dr. Seafried, let's just pick up from where we left off on the last show. So we get reduced oxygen radicals. We we reduce aging. We reduce all of the things that would wear and tear on the mitochondria when we start burning ketones. So the question you have to ask is, oh, wow, let's prevent cancer. Okay, let's see how many people want to go into therapeutic ketosis, water-only fasting, and these kinds of things to enhance the health and vitality of their mitochondria so they don't get chronic diseases. I mean, this doesn't go over well during basketball games. I mean... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you're not going to have a whole stadium drinking water out of a out of a thermos, right, during a football game. It's you interesting know, uh, though that fasting is one of the things that would be very helpful to the mitochondria, and also your uh, ketogenic diet. Is that something you recommend both hand in hand? It sounds like they both would yeah, be fairly yeah, effective. Well, you know, I said, you know, when I talk to my students in groups, I said it's always easy to talk about fasting on a full stomach. You know. With, <laughs> <laughs> What about yeah. intermittent fasting? Oh, yeah. been, that's been the yeah. latest craze. I imagine that probably helps to some degree, right? Or is it? Yes, it does. Okay. Yes, it does. Or do you have to go Actually, hardcore? Like if you only intermittent fast, is it not enough to switch your body over to burning the fats to get the right kind of? Yeah, intermittent fasting, it only helps by giving your digestive system a break. Okay. Um, so you really have to do real... more hardcore fasting to really yeah. get the mitochondria so, healthy. Yeah. What we found is it's extremely difficult to go cold turkey on this food. The brain is addicted to glucose almost as much as cocaine, alcohol, or whatever, or nicotine. You know, it's called withdrawal. I mean, you go through withdrawal symptoms. And anybody doesn't believe me, try going cold turkey, not eating for three days. You'll come to know. So, but we have a plan, at least for the cancer patients and also for folks that just want to get healthy. Go one week with a zero carb diet. Now, you can eat fish and meat and things like this, but you don't take any carbs into your body. And that's not easy either. I mean, you start really craving a muffin, a pizza, or anything. <laughs> yeah. You, oh, yeah. You, you look at a donut, your knees become weak. <laughs> you, know, I mean, I mean, you go try it and see what I'm talking about. You'll, yeah. you'll know. But it's not as dramatic, draconian as going cold turkey. So we take the cancer patients and have them go like a week to 10 days on a zero-carb diet. So their body can kind of slowly adjust to the absence of carbs. And then when you jump from there to water-only fasting, the jump is not so harsh and uh, your body kinds of transitions into this because that's the way we always, we are always in these levels of 
semi-therapeutic ketosis. My colleague, Dominic D'Agostino from the University of South Florida, a big proponent of fasting and, and ketogenic diets, he's always in a state of therapeutic or nutritional ketosis. So a lot of people can be in these zones. It's just that our environment where every commercial is something to eat, you walk by bread shops. I mean, everywhere we go, we have foods that will drive us to want tasty carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. And if you really want to get healthy, another colleague of mine, Jeff Volick at Ohio State University, he works with these extreme athletes that are in ketosis. These guys that run through the desert, 100 miles through a desert or something like this. Your body becomes in a new, incredibly powerful state. Many people are using this for weight loss, okay? They, mm -hmm. I, I know a lot of people that are using ketogenic diets just to lose weight. And the idea is, how can you lose weight if you eat a diet that is only mostly fat? And the issue is, is that you don't store fat by eating fat. You store fat by eating carbohydrates. And if you have a diet that has fat and sugar, you will store the sugar as fat. You will either burn the fat or excrete the fat. So the fat that we have stored in our body comes from the carbohydrates that we eat, not the fat that we eat. So if we eat a diet that has no carbs, we start losing uh, because we don't store fat as energy. We burn it or excrete it. So that's why you start losing weight on these ketogenic diets. But at the same time, your mitochondria get super healthy, and that reduces the risk for a variety of chronic diseases. You, you see all this. But well, a lot oh, of people, it's easy to see. Yeah. yeah. We developed the glucose ketone index calculator. Uh, we published a paper on that. I, I, I did it for the cancer patients. I didn't realize how it would be utilized by all these folks around the world trying to get super healthy by keeping their blood sugar down and their ketones elevated. So it's kind of like contests among people. How low can you get your GKI? I, I didn't do it for like people who are healthy or who want to get even more healthy. I did it for the cancer patients to help them get into nutritional ketosis. And once they're in that zone, then we deliver small low doses of drugs that target further the glucose and the glutamine. Hmm. So uh, the ketones do largely to help the normal cells get healthier. It's the ketones do not have a direct killing effect on the tumor cells. They just allow our normal cells to get super healthy and the tumor cells can't use them. So they become at a competitive disadvantage. Now they become stressed and they're on the threshold of dying. And you just put in a few little low dose drugs, these repurposed drugs, and boy, you wipe these tumor cells out without toxicity. So your body gets healthier and healthier as the tumor is degraded slowly over time. Wow. It works. It's based on hard science. And eventually it'll be the standard of care. I, I just don't know when. Well, wow. it's as we've said here on Real Science Radio, and it's uh, I believe it was was it Max Planck who said it, Fred? I don't want to misquote. Yeah, I know how science yeah. advances. Yep. <laughs> science one, advances one, one funeral at a time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but seriously, now I had hoped when I said how do we keep our mitochondria healthy that you would tell me there's a pill for that or there's an app for that. But instead you gave me the hard truth. It's not easy. Doug still wants his potato chips. Dr. Yes. Seyfried. Yes. Yeah. It's, 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 that's too. difficult. <laughs> oh, it's but difficult. Can you, uh, can you have some carbohydrates in your diet? Like potatoes. I mean, I imagine those are healthy beyond just carbohydrates. So, so does your diet totally uh, eliminate carbs or is it something you can kind of keep it a, healthy minimum, let's say. Well, you know, you're, that's an excellent point because people always ask me, can I eat this? Can I eat that? What am I going to do? And I say, I don't know. Why don't you just measure your glucose ketone index and you'll know whether or not you can eat that. 
And we published a paper showing that to eliminate or degrade cancer, you need to be in a zone of 2.0 or below. Will my uh, Samsung watch have that measurement on it and I can get that? Yeah, done. yeah. Well, <laughs> they, they have meters now that go oh, keto mode okay. meter and that kind of stuff. <laughs> but, but people say, oh, you know, let me eat a potato. Okay, well, you got a beautiful GKI. You're down about 2.0. And then you eat the potato and it goes up to 50. I would say don't eat the potato. <laughs> <laughs> but, but there's a way to measure. That, yeah. That's good that there's a way to measure. And, yes. and just yes. to be clear, you know, you don't have to invoke the idea of a primordial ancestry to find therapeutic ketosis. All you have to do is go to Kansas about 100 years ago, and just about everybody living there was in almost a perpetual state of therapeutic ketosis because we just had to work a lot harder and we yeah. didn't have a varied diet. I think it's, doctor, would you say it's our own affluence <laughs> that is sort of against us here? Yeah, I think so. Well, it's our technology as well. Affluence and technology, yeah. A paper just came out last week, I think, from England about the foods, the poorly nutritious, highly processed, the highly processed foods that we're eating are very low in nutrition, very high in carbohydrates, and they are causing, linked directly to all kinds of cancers and various dementia, all kinds of stuff. So yeah, it's affluence and technology that I think put us at risk for all of these different kinds of chronic problems. And you're right, if you went back in time, we didn't have many of these things. We had other kinds of problems, of course, but we certainly didn't have the tremendous amount of chronic diseases that we have in our Western societies. But it's hard. I mean, the foods have been just designed to taste so good. You know, it's hard to say, oh, I, I really want water-only fasting as opposed to this delicious pizza. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It's brutal. You know? It's brutal. You know? <laughs> and, and, you know, and you look at the, the, so the chimpanzees, our closest, you know, biological relative, they don't have any cancer. In fact, they've never had a documented case of breast cancer in a chimp. I went to the, the zoo and I asked the veterinarian who takes care of the gorillas down here. In the, we have gorillas here in, in the zoo in Boston. And the girl is sitting there and I said, you know, do you ever go out and give these guys, bring in a, a nice pizza or a donut for these <laughs> things? And they, oh, no, that would be animal cruelty. She said, <laughs> animal cruelty. Oh, my God. So I said, what about us? I said, no, oh, no, we can eat donuts and pizza. Not to say that we shouldn't eat donuts and pizza. All I'm saying is that, you know, occasionally it becomes a real treat as opposed to a, a daily diet and lifestyle. Right, right. You know, that's that's the, the hard The cafeterias part. are giving kids the pizzas and poorly nutritious foods on a daily basis. Society today is, is go, 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 go. As I said, the, the Paleolithic man had to work hard, or the guy in Kansas. I mean, they're working hard every day with minimal carbs. Now we just drive up to a window and somebody hands it through, through the window. You don't have to unask the car to get the food. It comes right into your car. You don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, right? And then they wonder, it's true. Why, why we have obesity and cancer? I mean, uh, if you had to run five miles to the McDonald window and then run five miles back, you'd be in better shape yeah. than, than drive, drive up windows. That's probably killing us as well. Right, you know? right. Now, we do want to say that Western medicine and the Western scientific method has solved so many problems as you said there were so many things that would kill you before so lifespans are generally up over the past century three centuries really but yeah. these chronic diseases are something that 
perhaps we're at a point of affluence and technology where we can start addressing these and see even better quality of life and length of life. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's a, a knowledge base. Once you understand what's underlying the chronic diseases and you know what you can do to, to mitigate that to some degree, then at least you have that, you have that within your body, within yourself, within your soul to want to do these kinds of things. Yep. But right now we're not told that, you know, the food pyramid is upside down certain agencies, whatever. I, I don't know. It's, I think it's significantly influenced by misinformation up and down the line and people are confused, but you're hundred percent correct about our increase in longevity. We've solved the, well, infections would kill most of the people in the past mm. when they didn't have the antibiotics. We also fix bones that would be crippling to many of us. With age, you get de degenerative arthritis and you get bones that are broken. We have hip and knee replacements. All of these things improve our overall survival and quality of life. But on the other hand, we're living longer, but are we really living healthier? I mean, mm -hmm. the nursing homes are being filled with poor people demented. You have all these obesity epidemic can't be making people healthy. So you can live longer, but I don't know if the quality of life is better. You know, this is something we need to consider. Yeah. So the better right. diet, the better treating of your mitochondria isn't just to reduce your risk of cancer, but also for things like you said with dementia and, and even like epilepsy. I know you've mentioned that, that there's a lot of research into that about how this is super effective against, against epilepsy or severe forms of it. So Dr. Seafried, we're actually almost out of time. I thought of an analogy while we've been talking about all this and just see if this works for our audience and uh, definitely correct me if I'm wrong, but, and I'm not a mechanic, but let's imagine you have a car with a bad battery and let's just assume a bad battery in some way can affect a starter, the starter in your car. And again, mechanics out there, I'm sorry if I, I don't know what I'm talking about, but let's just work with this analogy. So you have a bad starter, and the reason why your starter's bad is because you have some weird short in your battery, or your battery's low in energy, whatnot. And so the mechanic, the bad mechanic, will fix the starter and send you on your way. And then a month later, you're back to the same mechanic shop, or maybe you realize I should go somewhere else because your starter's bad again. And the problem all along was the battery, not the starter. And if we go and address the battery itself, then that's where we're going to you know, actually fix the car. The problem is we've been addressing the starter, which was really its problems were caused by the bad battery. And so with what you've researched, the mitochondria is the battery, and we've been fixing what the bad battery is affecting, you know, causing mutations. And we're looking at the mutations, we're trying to fix those, and all along we're ignoring the fact that it's been the battery the whole time. Yeah, I think you're right about it. It's a good analogy. Okay. Well, and, and Dr. Seafried, you mentioned earlier the difficulty in acquiring grant money and how difficult it is to do the research. Have the clinical trials needed to bring the necessary data to the medical and pharmaceutical community started? Are there trials happening now? Yeah, there are. But in the brain cancer field, you have to do standard of care first. And then when the tumor recurs, which it always does, then you can use a ketogenic metabolic therapy. The problem of I have published this in excruciating detail, the standard of care itself is ultimately responsible for the rapid recurrence and the demise of the brain cancer patient. Hmm. I showed in no uncertain terms how irradiating the human brain frees up massive amounts of glucose and glutamine, allowing the tumor cells to recur. 
we've tried to tell uh, in clinical trials, please do not do radiation of the brain of a brain cancer patient. Please do not do this because here's the evidence showing that it's counterproductive and it's absolutely ignored. And they refuse to recognize that their very therapy they're using is actually responsible for the demise of the patients. So until they can stop irradiating the brain and doing these other crazy things and doing metabolic therapy, which will keep people alive longer. I mean, our guy is out over eight years and we have several others now. And even when they irradiate and poison the patients, putting them on ketogenic metabolic therapy, it does help them, but it would help them a lot better if we weren't poisoning and irradiating the patients in the first place. So you're talking about a very dramatic change to how patients are being treated. And you go to an oncology clinic and they never heard of metabolic therapy. Hmm. They think irradiating the brain is healthy or good for the patient, or at least keeping them alive a little bit longer. And this is nuts. These people just don't read the scientific literature, nor do they understand the concepts of what's driving the, the biology of the tumor. So until this stuff changes, um, you're not going to have anything any major advances. And our funds that we get to keep our work going come from private foundations and philanthropy. So mm. my entire research program is dependent on, on the goodwill and nature of philanthropists and private foundations. And that's how we're able to move forward and keep publishing the papers that illustrate what I'm saying. Wow. Well, we'll definitely that, that... be linking to your website and to some of your videos. You have some really good presentations that outlines all the facts and the evidence behind your research and you know which is obviously super important and i know our listening audience is going to find it real interesting and again your book is cancer as a metabolic disease and yeah. we'll also provide a link to this so again dr seafried what an honor to have you on the show we really appreciate it this has been a super interesting talk and uh, I know our, our audience will find it very useful. I yes, think it's as a matter of compelling. fact, Fred, we've already just in announcing that we were going to have Dr. Seafried on the air. We've already been contacted by one doctor who wants us to pass his information along to to you, doctor, which we will do after the show. Uh, but you just mentioned philanthropy, private foundations, private citizens. And again, this gets back to my assertion, my my firm belief, my faith that this can be solved, but only through love. And so if you're out there in the audience and someone in your family has cancer, get in touch with us. We want to help and we want to get your work out there, Dr. Seafried, so that the people who have the funds who have lost someone they love or are losing someone they love, that they can get in touch with you and help you to change what sounds like, I mean, it's a David and Goliath. It's a massive paradigm to try mm -hmm. to change, but uh, I really think you're onto something and uh, hopefully we can help you. Is, is there a place that you can recommend that our audience can go to get the best information if there is a cancer diagnosis in their life? Yeah, well, I think, uh, you know, you get the diagnosis and then you have to make decisions as to what you're, course of therapy and strategy would be. And when I send kits to cancer patients that contact me, I, I give them a lot of information from practitioners that would recognize metabolic therapy. I, I give them questions to ask their oncologists, you know, how is the therapy you're going to treat me? Is it going to target my glucose and glutamine? Or is it, how is it going to improve the health of my normal cells? And most of the people that it's like look a deer looking into the headlight. You never heard of this stuff before. So, but that's the key. You, once you realize it's a metabolic disease, 
And you're, and you're right about the, all these cancer uh, foundations that raise money for cancer. Susan Coleman, Bike for Cancer. People raise so much money for cancer, nobody asks where the money goes. And there's no, there doesn't seem to be any accountability. Like uh, every year we raise so much money for cancer and every year we get more cancer. So uh, there has to be a point when people start saying, what are you doing with all the money we're raising for cancer? How come there's no major advances? And all that money keeps going to new ways to target somatic mutations. So um, that's why there's no advance. So yeah, and Travis Christofferson's Foundation for Cancer Metabolic Therapies, which is a private foundation, he supports our work. So we're, we're slowly moving in the right direction. As more and more people hear about this, eventually we will manage cancer effectively without toxicity. Well, it's certainly an area of field that at the very least warrants significant further exploration. In my humble amateur opinion, having heard you out on the topic, I'm so glad that you took the time to join us. And I want to thank our audience for recommending you. It's just been a true blessing and we wish you all the best in your work. And we will link to, did you say Travis Christofferson? Yeah, it's the Foundation for Cancer Metabolic Therapy. He's the organizer of the foundation. Okay. Uh, and people support my work through his foundation. So uh, that's been very helpful to us. And because 100% of the money that goes to his foundation goes directly to our research through the university. So we have an account set up from his foundation through our university to fund my research. And that's the way we keep developing the new diet therapies. And then we have, I publish uh, case reports. We've published on breast cancer, lung cancer, brain cancer. So more and more, they call them flukes. They're like, oh, well, this is just an anecdotal case. Well, we plan to bury the field with these flukes until the point comes when they say, and these no longer flukes, this is the way, this is the way it actually is. And then things will begin to change. Clinical trials, there's a large number of clinical trials starting on ketogenic metabolic therapy. Problem is they demand that you do radiation and chemo before or with it. And I think that's, uh, ah, yep. you know, that's in order to keep, otherwise they'll never do it. They'll never initiate a diet therapy. Who's going to pay for that? Like you have to have all these people. Jethro Yu is at Cedar sinai a medical school, has a one on brain cancer, first done standard of care. There's lung cancer ones, breast cancer ones that are starting. But again, most of them involve toxic chemicals. Once we can show that the patient will do better without the toxic interventions, then you're going to see the big change over. I think most people would want that. They fear mm -hmm. the chemo and radiation more than they fear the cancer. Yeah. So uh, I'll tell you what, doctor, I have seen a number of friends and family members go through chemotherapy and radiation. And some people think I'm joking when I say this, but if I get cancer, I'm just going to take my chances. I'm probably going to die. I'm not going to go through that. Well, you do metabolic therapy. You stay alive yeah. a lot longer. <laughs> well, well, now, now I, yeah, have, now you, I don't listen have to, to this just show die. You, hey, you know, Dr. <laughs> right, Seifert right. may be onto something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I was planning on just rolling the dice, and, and but now... Uh, uh, and, and, and Seifert, I, I, I was wondering if Dr. Seifert, would you take chemo? Is it like no. a last resort, or is that something you would definitely just not do? Oh, no, I wouldn't do that. Are you yep. kidding me? After everything I read <laughs> yeah, about exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. I didn't know if it was all... like some last resort. Okay, interesting. I, I would do the water-only fasting, and, and I would use my own the drugs that I know that work. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and you said these are drugs that are already in existence. This would just oh, be yeah. an off-label use of an existing drug? Yeah. They're like a lot of, Some of these parasite medication drugs are very powerful. 
in targeting the, the cancer. Once the patient is in this nutritional ketosis, therapeutic ketosis, we can use drugs of very low concentrations that take on enormous therapeutic power. Uh, so you can kill, in fact, we're amazed at how many of these drugs that don't work by themselves all of a sudden become super powerful in very low doses. It's unbelievable. Wow. Wait until people start seeing the results from our studies on how these drugs that were, oh, this drug doesn't work in the clinic. Oh, this caused too toxicity. And then we use it in a totally different way under a totally different condition. And it takes on new therapeutic power that no one ever recognized until you put it, the patient first in therapeutic ketosis. So yeah. uh, we're learning about all this. It's, we're right on the cutting edge right now. Yeah. And, we just uh, got to cut through the dogma. You know, we have to do that with so many other, you know, science just through history. There's always some dogma that can not allow us to advance in science for decades. And, you know, like yeah. Doug mentioned before, Max Planck said, it. you know, science advances one funeral at a time. I, I know I'm paraphrasing, but wow, Dr. Seafried, it's been such an honor having you here. I know that we're quite a bit over time, but I know our, our audience is going to love listening to all this material we actually air in Denver on AM 670, the blowtorch of the Rockies, and the show airs Friday. We air every Friday at 3 p.m. Mountain Standard Time in, in the Denver area, but man, our the signal for this station is so great that we have listeners in adjacent states, but our listeners can also listen on various podcasts. They can go to Spotify or Apple uh I think Apple we go Music worldwide. Or, yeah. Worldwide on the World Wide Web. That's, That's right. right. And you can listen to the entire show. You'll only hear the first 30 minutes, of course, if you're listening on the radio right now, but you can go and listen to the rest of the show by going to rsr.org and click on the link for the show. Or again, just go to Spotify or whatever your favorite podcast software, whatever you want to call it, to listen to our show. I, so, I don't think they call it software anymore. They, yeah, they probably I, don't. No, they think they, well, you they, know, they when have, I had my son on the show, he told me I was the only <laughs> podcast talk show host who doesn't know what a podcast is. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, definitely just go to rsr.org or again, your favorite podcast application. Yes. And you're good and to again, go. Thank you, Fred. And Dr. Seafried, just really thankful to have had you on the air and uh, appreciate all the work you're doing. And we look forward to reporting on your work advancing now that you have our attention and we will definitely keep in touch. Okay. That sounds great. Thank you. Yes. And get the book, by the way, cancer is a metabolic disease by Dr. Thomas Seafried, S E Y F R I E D. Definitely it, check it out. Yep. And, and you know, uh, both Fred, uh, scientific again. people who have with a scientific mind and, and lay people have found his book useful. So it, it's well-written and highly recommend. We've gotten positive feedback on individuals who have that book. So it's pretty technical, I think you'd say, Dr. Seafree. But also, I haven't read the book personally, but I have heard that the layperson can really get a lot out of this book also. Well, you know, it was written for scientists, but there are chapters in there where everybody can benefit from it. And it was published by John Wiley Press, which is a leading publisher mm -hmm. in the science field. But they did make the book quite expensive. And people get angry if I've seen some of the reviews that most of them are uh, complaining about the high cost of the book, which I, which I had <laughs> nothing right. to do with, by the way. And I also get very little revenue compared to what the publisher gets. Yeah, <laughs> uh, But I, I did it to target a professional scientific audience. But I also know that there are sections, uh, chapter four is very heavy into basic science, but there are other chapters that people can look at. I also put a number of photographs in there for from a variety broad speaking of looking at cancer. 
there's another short version of my book, but it was not written by me. It was written by uh, Johnny Rockemeyer, and uh, he's supposed to be donating money to our site through Travis's foundation through this. It's a very short, it's like a Cliff Notes kind of thing of what I said. But a lot of people think that they got some information from that as well. That's pretty cheap. But the real heavy evidence is in my book from John Wiley Press. Okay, great. And, you know, our audience is pretty diverse. We've got a lot of people who are very scientifically minded. We have a lot that aren't quite as much, but they love the science. And again, Dr. Seafried, it was an honor. And I know we're way, way past the time we normally do, but what a great topic to cover. So for yeah. Doug McBurney, I'm Fred Williams of Real Science Radio. May God bless you. Scholars can't explain it all the way.